Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Yeah, good morning. We are getting closer and closer to celebrating Yom Yushalayim number 50, inviting everybody from around the world to come and converge on Jerusalem, May the 24th. That's the big day on the Hebrew calendar, the 28th of ER, as we get set to celebrate uh, something you'll only be able to celebrate once in a lifetime. That's the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. So everybody out there, make sure to uh, either be there or pay careful attention to our programming so you can be part of the uh, inspiring uh, programming that's going to be coming out of Jerusalem. Also, I noticed, Malcolm, that uh, April was, we discussed this a drop last week, but April was a record-breaking month. 349,000 tourists from a whole host of countries around the world. China, by the way, in the top 10. No surprise to you, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, we continue to encourage people to visit Israel, plan those trips, and get there as soon as possible, whether it is May 24th or not. Uh, it is amazing how the entire world, and as you know, uh, fortunately and or unfortunately, not just the Jewish world, but it seems that the people from so many different backgrounds are taking advantage and flying to Israel. So that should continue, please, God. Why is that unfortunate in any regard? It's very fortunate. Well, I say, un- fact, I say the- unfortunately because not enough American Jews are traveling to Israel. So, you know, I'm glad that non-Jews are going, but, you know, we'd love to see people from our background and tradition go more often. Okay, so I want to make sure that nobody misunderstands that, uh, in fact, uh, both non-Jewish tourism from America and around the world and India, which also wants to sharply increase its tourism, uh, is facing a problem that countries like Iran and Pakistan and others are not allowing them to overfly in, or to get to Israel. So you would have an even sharper increase. It's expected that the 30,000 seats will be added from China to Israel and about 20,000 this year from India to Israel. Japan to Israel has increased a lot. Korea, um, certainly African travel. And uh, I will tell you that um, even from countries that uh, don't have formal relations with Israel, quietly more and more important people are coming and and um, feel very strongly about uh, their experiences in Israel. Oh, by the way, I'm glad you just mentioned that. Uh, speaking of experience with Israel, because it's going to creep up on us. Let me just take a second here to mention it. It's going to creep, creep on us, uh, up on us for a variety of reasons, including Om Yushalayim, including a big Shavuos holiday in the middle of the week. Celebrate Israel Parade, everybody. June the 4th on Fifth Avenue in New York City. June the 4th. Make sure to be there. Obviously, we will have, since we'll be broadcasting from there with our friends from Shari Tzedek, obviously we're going to have a lot more details, but I just wanted to put that in there. Uh, people should circle the calendars and get ready to support Israel here in New York City as well on uh, June the 4th. Well, senior U.S. sources have said that United States President Donald Trump has already decided to extend the order which prevents the United States Embassy in Israel from being transferred from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. If this is in fact true, and by the way, I have, I mean, with all the confusion about this issue in the last, I don't know how many years, 20, 30 years, and all the different reports and things that have been said, I cannot remember hearing so many conflicting reports on one issue, a symbolic issue, but such an important one. And it would be terrible, I think most would agree, it would be terrible if this opportunity uh, went by where we finally, as a community, as a worldwide Jewish community, felt that this man in the White House would, in fact, move that embassy. It would be terrible if this uh, next couple of weeks goes by and it's not done. Now, I will, I will ask you, Malcolm, do you have information that it is, in fact, the government of Israel that has asked the United States not to make this move? 
Okay, so first of all, I don't think it's symbolic. I think it's uh, very practical and very important. It's uh, an important message to the world. It doesn't change uh, very much if, in fact, the embassies move. We have two consular buildings there. We have a consulate there that is uh, large and... Um, uh, so in that sense, I guess uh, that that is what you were referring to. But uh, the, this well, is I, I an historic said... wrong. Uh, one second. This is an historic wrong that needs to be corrected. And for too long, the waiver built into the 95 legislation, which we accepted at the time because it was the only way to get the unanimity and, and support and have the president allow it to go into law. But frankly, I don't believe the expectation would be that 20 years later we'd be looking at it and still seeing that every six months it was waived. And many people, I think, thought that this the President Trump, and we don't know yet what what is going to happen, um, would at least allow n not exercise the waiver, even if he doesn't announce on his current trip that they will be going that they will move the embassy to Israel. In regard to the second question, that I can answer authoritatively that the government of Israel did not did not oppose uh, moving the embassy or a declaration regarding the embassy. And if you notice that even King Abdullah said that he would not oppose uh, having an embassy in West Jerusalem, which many people then thought may have been a you know, part of a preparatory uh, development towards an announcement of some kind, uh, and the, the, uh, up, the new ambassador said that he would split his time between the King David and the Tel Aviv home, was also seen as a sign, and, and uh, I, I think it was regrettable that so much was made of it at the beginning and, and even before the uh, government began, uh, rather than allowing this thing to, to just become a reality, which, every, which has shown everybody that nothing is going to change. The declarations of the recognition of West Jerusalem, though, is not helpful. As the Russian case, which I cited, I think, two weeks ago when yeah. we discussed it, uh, proved because the Russian declaration then makes all of East Jerusalem Palestinian. Right. And that is not acceptable. Understood. And I use the word symbolic because, uh, it, it, for the most part, as you just described, there would be not much of a change. Right. They will wake up the next morning and everybody would yeah. have seen that nothing has and changed. So I'm still hopeful that you know, something meaningful can come and of, of this. But, you know, of all the issues, I'm sure there are others also that uh, are going to be big priorities. So we'll see how it all balances out. I know there are a lot of issues, and many of them are big priorities. But this is a very important one to Jews around the world, especially uh, here in the United States. And to, as the one who, who really pushed the 95 legislation and for decades fought, fought for the embassy to be moved, um, the, the recognition is so is important not because Israel needs to be told that you, this is what your your uh, where your capital is, but if the United States moves, maybe others would follow, and then Jerusalem uh, as the capital would be again recognized as it was in the past when many embassies were located there. And the big deal, so to speak, was made by the White House. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, again, both before, I mean, not maybe not during, but certainly before uh, President Trump took office, it was, a, it was, it was, the big deal was made by him and his campaign. Um, I, I would, I would, and by the way, the vice president of the United States came out with a statement where he, he's assuming it is still going to be done. Which is also interesting because if, in fact, the president has decided not to do it and the vice president says that they that his administration is obligated to, in fact, move it as promised during the election campaign, that could be very interesting. Well, I was there when the vice president at the White House ceremony marking Yom Atzmut, which was itself 
a very important event uh, hosted by the vice president. Uh, but he said there in very emphatic terms, actually, that the president is actively engaged now in, in the consideration of moving the embassy. He didn't say he would, didn't say when he would, but it was a, a, a pretty uh, forceful statement on his part, and he has been a very longtime supporter uh, uh, of this. So we will see and uh, what will happen. The president's uh, going to be in Israel all over 30 hours, I think. He's going to be visiting um, Masada, where he's going to make a major address, which has become also controversial because they say, why doesn't he speak in the Knesset? Um, I remember that President Obama, when he went, did not speak in the Knesset, but that was because there was concern about the reaction, that there could be negative reaction there, and they didn't want to have any embarrassing situation. Uh, he will also obviously uh, meet with the president and prime minister but all, and visit the Kotel, uh, all of which are very important in his presence there. And he will also go to Bethlehem and supposedly meet Abbas, and perhaps there will be a three-way meeting. As Abbas has said, he would meet Netanyahu if Trump, uh, President Trump is there or convenes it. Um, but again... We'll have to see a lot of a lot of balls in the air in this regard. For a lot of people, it's going to put, that that would put a real damper on Yom Yerushalayim week. Frankly, if if there's a three way meeting, well, I think there's going to be a damper in terms of the traffic jams in Jerusalem. Well, there, there are no hotel rooms available because the president brings a very large entourage, which cleared out some some of the uh, hotels, and. Um, but I think it, the fact that the president is going so early in his term, and uh, as opposed to, I think President Obama uh, didn't go till till the second term, and and uh, it's an important declaration. In fact, he's going to Saudi Arabia and hopefully meet uh, also with some of the other Arab leaders there, uh, like the pres like President Sisi and King Abdullah, and the the um, and then he'll go to the Vatican. So he's covering the three religious bases. Wow. Uh, soon, have to do the. Buddhists and Hindus and everybody else, too, I guess. I'm going to be bunking in with one of the Secret Service guys. Don't try to get anywhere near me. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't planning on spending much time with me, huh? Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you, with, for a trip that for, you know, for the um, actively, uh, for the active supporters of Israel, for the trip that was really going to be, you know, a, a tremendous celebration, Without the embassy move, and and possibly with a, a three-way meeting that has a certain tone, it could completely change the tone of that week, and that would be quite a shame. The other thing I want to tell you is that um, if, in fact, and I, I have to agree at least partially, if not completely, with the commentators who've said this, if, in fact, the Prime Minister of Israel has not asked the President of the United States to postpone this whole issue regarding the embassy, then that's a, a, a real condemnation of American Jewish leadership. I mean, if, if, if American Jewish leadership in Washington, with all the lobbying and all the efforts and all the, and all the meetings and all the ceremonies, are not able to work their way to the President, if, they have, if in fact they have the backing of the Prime Minister of Israel on this, and convince him to, to make this one move, I think it, I, I just says it speaks volumes about the weakness of our of our community in Washington at this point. I don't agree, and uh, I, I certainly don't think it's a condemnation of anybody. Uh, it's a decision that the, the White House and the White House alone makes. They've been they've heard from everybody, um, and uh, I think that will be the, the decision. Then you have to deal with wh why it is. It's not because you can't. You never can dictate to a president, nor should any community dictate uh, their will. 
to make their views known, certainly, is, and that the Jewish community has done. Members of Congress have done it. The, um, the same was true with the Republican president. It was true before with the Democratic president, before that with the Republican president. This is not a new issue, and I think it's, it's um, not a correct reading. The, the fact is that, that overall, I would say, there is a, an important point to, to, to your comment, and that is that the, that the Jewish community in the United States does not advocate on Jerusalem overall throughout the year, not just on the issue of the embassy, but of uh, constant references. We saw uh, this week how uh, Khamenei uh, and uh, Erdogan and others in speeches all talk about, and, and Erdogan in his case talked about Muslims having to flood Jerusalem, flood Al-Aqsa, that every day that's not in, in Muslim hands is a, an embarrassment. Uh, I mean, I wonder how many how many rabbis, how many leaders, how many others have got to get up as constantly and keep the focus on um, on Jerusalem. They name Al-Quds brigades, they name things uh, for... for uh, for Jerusalem, yeah. so we have to do more in, in, in that regard. I get all. Uh, I get all of that. Now, and but, also, but for a while, you have but, to look at where what what is happening on other aspects of this issue. Abbas it, it has supposedly told the president that he wants to pick up the negotiations where um, former Prime Minister Olmert left off in 2008, and he supposedly showed a maps of how of, of the adjustments that they had agreed upon or were proposing. Uh, as you know, he, he, he walked away. So th- this is a, an important issue, and, and I think uh, the fact that Abbas is going to Russia uh, to lobby, I guess, Putin and to, and to keep everything in balance so that the Russians don't, he doesn't, doesn't alienate the Russians by the fact that he meets with uh, President Obama. Uh, and and the uh, Netanyahu, by the way, had a long conversation with Putin. Where he talked about uh, Syria mostly, about the safe zones that have been proposed, not become bases for Iran and Hezbollah along Israel's borders. And he said he didn't oppose the safe zones per se, but can't allow them near the border, both with in the Golan and near the border with Jordan, uh, which would endanger uh, Jordan as well. Well, we have about a thousand prior examples that would show that that's exactly what they're going to become. <laughs> well, well, that could become right, and, and Israel has, uh, you know, taken actions in the interim. Uh, by the way, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs uh, staff of staff. Um, uh, General Dumford was there in Israel again, talking about Syria and about ISIS in Sinai and other areas where United States and Israel, you know, are cooperating. It doesn't get as much coverage and attention as it should, but it's a, uh, you know, very strong uh, meetings, very positive meetings. It's his third visit as the chairman uh, of the Joint Chiefs to to Israel. And they talked about Iranian transfer of sophisticated weapons issues uh, uh, of great significance uh, to Israel. All right, I'll let go of this issue now after I just say that um, uh, for a White House that's described as as an inner circle around the president, which is the most pro-Israel ever, and real advocates and people who are, who are uh, you know, lovers of Israel surrounding the president, related to the president, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it would be, I believe, a terrible uh, mark on American Jewish leadership if, in fact, he decides to postpone the decision. It's America's one on the embassy. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. So we know that there will be, obviously, a meeting with the prime minister. There will be a meeting with Mahmoud Abbas. You've mentioned his uh, public statement that he's ready to negotiate, ready for a peace 
uh, a peace discussion based on the 2008 discussion with um, uh, with Prime Minister Olmert at the time. And um, do you think the President of the United States thinks that the Prime Minister of Israel is ready for uh, for this meeting? Do you think that uh, he'll have any trouble getting Bibi to agree to a three-way conversation if he uh, if he proposes it? Well, may uh, I don't know. I don't believe in principle that he won't, because Bibi has always said he's prepared to meet at any time, and he, I think he, he would consider this a friendly president and uh, supportive. Uh, I think, though, that it would depend if Abbas sets preconditions, as he is now. One of them being this uh, this uh, new twist of starting where they left off in 2008. He walked away from the talks at the time just to remind everyone, you can't go back. You, you walk away and then you think that you can just pick up the the game wherever you left it off, no matter what has happened in the interim, and much has. I think the, he, he is trying to insist on a release of prisoners and uh, freedom settlements and uh, the, the, the uh, some assurance that the, the state will be created in the 67 border lines, and he wants a time frame. Those are some of the issues that he's raised. I don't know if he has made these preconditions to this kind of meeting, but he has uh, said this um, before his meeting, his visit to Washington, uh, about um, and uh, about what he would consider important as a precondition. And he always plays the card of being the weak, about being, you know, uh, under siege. And, and it is true, but he's not under siege from Israel. He's under siege from his own colleagues who see the, the kleptocracy, the failure, his lack of leadership, the, the fact that he is uh, not a legitimately elected uh, official at this point, uh, having already more than uh, outstayed his uh, electoral term by three times. And the, the split with, with Gaza and, and Hamas is intensifying. We've seen all sorts of incidents there now. Uh, so he, but he will always play this card. And, and one president has to finally say, you're not necessarily better than the alternative. If this is the way you have misled your people, forget about all the terrorism, etc. If you're not willing even to commit to what you know 100% of Congress wants to see and the administration wants to see, and that is an end to the funding and the money going to terrorists and, and encouraging them and, and rewarding them and idealizing them in in such blatant ways. And now to say, well, he's, he's going to try and find a way to make it a social welfare payment instead. That subterfuge he pulled before, he put the money through the PLO. That has got to be an absolute condition. And frankly, I think there has to be a statement that there will be no meetings until he... Uh, until he does this. I was invited to, to a reception in Washington when he was here, and my answer to them was, until this matter is resolved, at least this matter, I will not go and pay tribute to, to him. And I think that, you know, this is such a, it, it's almost unprecedented. I don't know if in other countries, maybe Iran, you can find some similar policy. <laughs> and, and, and you know, and you have the outrage of people are speaking about it. And Congress is the Taylor Force Act and other things, which hopefully will, will get enacted. And, and yet he gets away with it all the time. This is not a man committed to peace. I met I mean, every week with Arab leaders now. I mean, literally every week. They have no regard for him. They, they feel bad that the Palestinian people have paid the price of all the billions of dollars in aid annually. The budget of the PA is $4.2 billion a year, I think. Uh, they get $2 billion in foreign assistance and from taxes, and, and the rest they don't raise. 
because they have destroyed the economy. It doesn't want to even see a strong economy. And the people who are demonstrating that you read about are not against it, demonstrating against Israel today. They're demonstrating against the PA. And I, I even saw the, a really interesting story about this. You know, the Egyptians destroyed a big tunnel in, in, on the border in, in Rafah between Egypt and the Gaza and Gaza Strip. And they were complaining, and one of the leaders of Hamas said, I, I almost yearned for the days when Israel was in control. Yeah, you well. know why? Because they were driving BMWs, Mercedes, it was so big, you, and now there's a shortage of luxury cars for the leaders of Hamas and the others who rip off their uh, people, and, and they were using this tunnel, seriously, for bringing in all these luxury vehicles. Oh, I believe it. And there are many. There's in the hundreds of thousands, if not more, that would say that they would prefer if Israel was in control, and you know that. Um, uh, what, do you, what do you make of, the, um, of Marwan Barghouti stretching the truth somewhat on about his hunger strike? Well, he has stretched the truth into lies for many years. This is and and the whole thing, uh, uh, the way the media has presented it. I know some would say that this is a perfect example of uh, what they call the uh, fake news. This is not about the rights of prisoners. The people, the prisoners in Israeli jails, have the best conditions, maybe than anywhere but Sweden or, or somebody. You know that they each one has the right individually to have a lawyer to go to a lawyer to represent them to bring a case before the courts if they think they're being mistreated. They, in fact, treated uh, according to many much too softly, and and the. They have the right to communicate. They have, they have they function fully. And Bergudi, in particular, who is serving five lifetimes uh, life sentences, and his for the, him this was a purely a political move. His numbers were declining, and uh, with the prospect that Abbas might uh, some point step down, that he wants to assert uh, his leadership, and that's why he started this thing. And only about a sixth of the prisoners joined him, and then there was this uh, picture, uh, video, which some claim real, not real, whatever, showed him eating um, while others were, were fasting. Yeah, well, guess you shouldn't expect any better from him, huh? Um, the, <laughs> the, the, oh, I don't know what he broke his fast on, by the way. I thought they'd give that detail. Uh, uh, candy bar. Oh, actually, I think they did say that, right. Um, the French election, so Macron wins. Interestingly enough, the polls got it right this time, which is interesting. Uh, and I'm wondering, not just the, the fact that Le Pen obviously is not the leader, you, you said that uh, that more regionalized or parliamentary elections would be even more fascinating regarding what happened this past Sunday, if you can comment on that. And also, uh, now that he's going to be in power, any difference in terms of France's role in the, uh, in the quartet or in the peace process? Uh, does he have a different attitude than his predecessor? Anything you can tell us about that? Well, he's not that known a quantity in terms of the Middle East. He, he did make strong statements during the campaign, but there have been expressions of concern from French Jewish leadership uh, since then about some of the people associated with him. Uh, I would say it's a big question mark right now. Hollande was not a great friend of France. In fact, even in the last UNESCO vote, didn't couldn't you know screw up the courage to vote against it. Um, right. uh, uh, but I, I, one comment on what the outcome of the election was. Right. And I looked at the numbers, and it's not quite the way it's portrayed, because 25% of the people didn't vote. Usually, um, the number that don't vote is very small, under 20%. Here, more than 25% did not vote. That's one. Two, 11% of the ballots that were cast were dismissed. Many of them did not put in a candidate for, for president. So the percentages look 
don't look quite as bright when you see the the when you take into account all of these numbers. It was a victory. Clearly, it was a rejection of Le Pen, perhaps more than support for for Macron. We already see some of the demonstrations are going on inside the inside France. We'll have to see whether this guy can really be a leader. Uh, and can uh, face the challenges. He doesn't have that much experience, and and uh, whether what the policy will be, I think we'll only know uh, w- once he takes office and meets the first challenges. Uh, Clearly, on the on the domestic scene, Jews were relieved right. and uh, did not want to see Le Pen win. Uh, and but but the parliamentary elections, as you mentioned, are coming up. In June, and, and it'll be interesting to see, and it will obviously have a big impact. Uh, if uh, if let's say Le Pen or the others get uh, get a significant parliamentary position, and in Great Britain that uh, vote's going to happen on the eighth of June, and apparently Prince Charles is being encouraged not to visit Israel with an official state visit. Uh, that's what it seems that uh, that the Downing Street or or um, the foreign ministry or somebody has put a kibosh or tried to put a kibosh. I hope that after the elections he will still. He will reconsider and go. I know that I spoke to him about it during Shimon Peres's funeral, and as a result of my discussion and telling him that I had seen his grandmother's grave myself and that it was in a beautiful place and he should see it, he turned to his aides and he said, oh, I want to see it, and they started shaking in their boots because he didn't have prior approval or anything. But I, he said to me, can I, can I see it from here? And I said, no, but you can go there. It's a very short ride. And uh, I think you will find it uh, um, very moving to see the location. And you know that his grandmother harbored Jews during World War II in her apartment in, in Athens and saved the Jewish family and uh, asked and uh, left in her will that she be buried in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. The, the, so the, well, we'll have to see whether or not he, he actually gets to pay the visit or not, but it has been traditionally the policy and certainly of the you know, foreign ministry of Britain, whose history is well known, uh, opposed any such visit. And on election news, I think it's a week from today. Is the Iranian election a week from today? I believe so. It is, and it's a very important election. Uh, we're seeing it heating up. Uh, the, the, um, the race between hardline and super hardline, that is the race, and don't be let people be fooled by any of the other things they hear or read. This is not a question of a moderate Rouhani. We know what Rouhani is. He executes more people than than Ahmadinejad did. He is uh, more hardline against the United States. He is. Uh, and there's no indication either in human rights, domestic policy, international policy, that uh, that he is more moderate. And this election will have a lot of implications for who will succeed the supreme leader, and the um, and we also see it manifest in another way where there's been an increase in tension, and that's with Saudi Arabia. And there was very sharp exchanges this week between the deputy crown prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, who attacked Iran and talk about their Shiite uh, trying to establish Shiite hegemony uh, in the region, and he was. Uh, he was quite tough in, in the references that um, uh, that the, about them trying to to establish um, shared control over the Islamic world, and so he said Saudi Arabia won't wait for war, but will work um, so that the battle f- will, will take place in Iran, not in Saudi Arabia. 
and this the Iranians countered with really strong attacks as well. The defense minister Egan uh, said that that um, uh, he said that if there's a conflict, nothing will be left of Saudi Arabia except Mecca and Medina. Well, it's pretty. Uh, and he criticized their relationship with the U.S. and uh, and obviously even uh, there were references to Israel, and th- so I think the the uh, those who try to say that the deal gave us uh, a more moderate Iran a better deal, it, the deal is a subject that's being exploited by his opponents and saying that the, the people haven't seen any jobs, any benefit from it, which is true because the benefit went to to the IRGC, Iran Revolutionary Guard, the government, and others who control 30 to 40 percent of the of the economy, and who I'm sure got the bulk of any benefit that they derive from all of the money that has come to them as a result of the deal. And I assume the U.S. is not weighing in on this election in terms of preference of candidate or anything like that? No, 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 no. no. I haven't even seen any references to it, let alone any preferences. Um, the United States relationship with Turkey, now with the Kurdish support coming from Washington, and, and, and it, this is a very, you've always described Turkey, United States, Turkey, Israel, uh, you consider it to be a very, very important relationships. Uh, so what do you make of its future after what happened this week? Well, first of all, uh, we should uh, remember what, uh, note what Erdogan said, which was a pretty strong statement against uh, about Jerusalem. There was a, uh, a foundation meeting. There's, each of the faiths has a foundation in Iran. I won't go into all of it. I did speak to Jewish leaders from Iran who were present. They said it wasn't quite the way it was reported. It was not as harsh as as was uh, reported. But clearly, he said they have to that Muslims should flood and Turks should flood uh, Al Aqsa. Um, he talked that every day that Jerusalem is under Jewish uh, and Israeli uh, control is an embarrassment and humiliation. So it was a very tough statement, and um, but not quite as as harsh, according to them, as was uh, as was reported. And now he's due to come here on uh, on the seventeenth, I think. Uh, we'll have to see if he actually if that meeting actually takes place because he's very angry at the United States for its support of the Kurds and providing weapons uh, to the Kurds and the. Um, you know, who they consider their, their enemy, and they've taken a lot of action, and they've been bombing uh, some of the same Kurdish uh, rebels in Syria that we are allied with. So that's a, a potentially very um, difficult situation and, and one that certainly will, will come up if, if he does come and meet uh, with President Trump. And whatever happens in terms of the Turkish-U.S. relationship, we, we'd, we'd have to assume that the Turkey-Israel relationship will go in the same direction? It will certainly cast a shadow over what, uh, I mean, there have been improvements, and as you know, trade and everything continued um, uh, all this time anyway, but the, uh, uh, yeah, I think that it's safe to say that if this uh, this visit doesn't go well, uh, that would would color and, and as will many other things, the regional competition and others, you know, when you compete, when these Muslim states compete with one another, Israel pays the price generally. And the uh, and he has other problems, you know, that uh, Turkey is building a border along the, uh, its border with Iran, uh, which is something that we will could become a very contentious issue uh, as well. And the, the question of the future, what happens in Iraq, where we're seeing more and more resentment and rebellion against the Iranian domination and the fact that the the um, 
their militia are taking over. Uh, that could be a very interesting uh, development to watch in the, in the coming months, as is the situation in Libya, where Iran is involved, Russia is involved, others are involved as well. By the way, those who argue, uh, because of the, the media's fascination with the Trump-Putin relationship, those who argue that you know that if in fact there was, if in fact there was a, such a good relationship or one where you know where the president of the United States owed uh, the uh, the leader of Russia, uh, the likelihood is that President Trump would not have made that decision to uh, take the action in Syria that he did. Do you agree with that argument? No, I I, I don't think that um, that that would dictate what actions the United States uh, would take. America has its interests, Russia has its interests, and the Russians have been very cleverly implementing their policies to create a permanent presence, both with the naval and air force base, but more importantly, their uh, liaison with uh, with Iran and, and uh, becoming dominant force together with Iran's uh, allies, and of course, Russia's support for Assad, so that in, in the end, when I believe there'll be a confederation of, of states or regions in, in Syria it won't be Syria as we knew it before. The Russians are counting on the Alawite area, which is where their base is as well, and supporting um, uh, the president, meaning Assad, and his uh, forces uh, to support that region in particular and protect areas of Damascus, etc., where the Alawites will, will maintain a position. And, and uh, so they have a long-term interest and a short-term interest. It it should not and does not coincide with Iran's interests. It, in fact, is in conflict and should be in conflict with Iran's interests, even though Putin you know, will follow whatever he de- de- determines and, uh, and f- feels will advance his interests. And part of it is to have their footprint and to see a much more assertive position uh, with a naval base in Libya and with uh, other activities, and all of it done on a shoestring. Finally, do you, do you know if there's any practical difference between the uh, Israel Broadcast Authority, which was just, you know, broken up and, and, and ended as compared to the new one that's about to be founded? Will there be any difference to those who are watching TV and, and things in Israel? Oh, yeah. They, they've canceled shows. It's going to be revamped, according to ministers with whom I've spoken about it, because I got a lot of complaints from the journalists there, and people are very upset both about the way this was done and that it was done. Um, so there is likely to be uh, significant changes. They, they've let many people go. They retained, I think, 400 of them, and 600 or more were 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 retired, or some were given the right to reassign or to apply for civil service jobs. But um, it's, it's a, I think, a very sad situation for many people. Wow. All right. Uh, I thank you very much. Next week will be uh, another week closer to Yom Yerushalayim number 50 and the big celebration. I hope the entire world will pay careful attention to what's happening in Jerusalem during that week because, hey, it's time to celebrate. You know, we always well, say... It's Next not- week I will be in Jerusalem for, for right. our, our weekly broadcast, and before that I'll be in Azerbaijan and Georgia with the Bad and seeing the amazing schools that they built there and uh, meeting with the leaders of both countries. So we'll have a lot of uh, fresh information for you. All right, a lot to talk about. Thank you very much, Malcolm Honline. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Weekly update from Israel next week, as you heard, on the almost eve of Yom Yerushalayim, and certainly on the eve of uh, President Trump's visit to the Holy Land. Remember, next week is our fundraising marathon. It'll be a one-week affair culminating next Friday. If you haven't yet uh, sent back your donation, 
Uh, please log on to fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, which supports JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, fjbunity.org, and participate with us. It'll end one week from today with our big celebration. Malcolm will join us via telephone from Israel.